0: Welcome to The Edge by MGR with your host, David Gill. Hey everybody, welcome to The Edge podcast by MGR. Your host, David Gill here. I hope everybody's having a great week. I certainly am. Real quick, before we get into the weekly Roundup. I wanted to say that last Tuesday I uploaded a podcast about the state of digital marketing. So if you are a marketing person, business person, own a business, whatever, um, you should definitely check it out. I basically went through all of the major uh, digital marketing platforms, you know, Facebook, Google, LinkedIn, Twitter, you know, a few others. And uh, I gave my analysis of each one at this point in time in 2018 because, you know, these things are always changing. So I wanted to give everyone an update coming from someone who obviously is in a marketing agency and how we approach things. And then I gave my grades for each platforms and which ones I like best right now and which ones I think you should be using the most. So anyways, check that one out. If you have not listened to it yet, it should be just in the podcast feed a couple back. Um, And then also Marissa uploaded one on Friday that was really interesting. It was all about um, like urban farming and how uh, you know, people are shifting towards urban farming and trying to figure out how to grow food in cities and in suburbia rather than just out in the fields. So give that a listen if you haven't already. Anyways, guys, let's get into the roundup. Looking funny when I'm driving by. All right, first up, There's new competition for Tesla. The Chinese electric vehicle company NIO, spelled N-I-O, filed for an IPO in the U.S., so they're going public. Um, they currently sell an SUV. It's called the ES8, and it costs about half the price of Tesla's Model X. So that's how they're competing with them mostly, which is kind of smart because the Model X is actually very expensive and not really that affordable, even though it's supposed to be like a SUV for anyone to use. So I think it's smart of them to go after the SUV market because Tesla hasn't really penetrated that yet as far as electric vehicle goes um they also have a new smaller suv coming out uh next year in 2019 it's called the es6 uh, so this company has a lot of promise, and obviously they're making a big push to try to make it in the U.S. Obviously they're from China. Uh, they are backed by the two two different uh, huge companies in uh, China, Tencent and Baidu, and then they're also backed by the U.S. venture capital firm Sequoia Capital, who, if you know if you know about the VC world, Sequoia is a very uh, one of the largest and most reputable uh, venture capital firms. So they have a lot of funding. But I will say it's not like, you know, it's not all rosy for Neo. I would say that they're still very far behind Tesla. And just like Tesla, they have a lot of production issues because obviously they are just building a brand new production line. Um, So they're having a lot of issues just like Tesla. So they're not able to produce as many or nearly as many as Tesla but obviously with lots of new funding and then if they go uh, raise new money with an IPO by going public then they'll certainly be able to put more money into production right now though they are losing about 600 million dollars a year so obviously it's not a good thing they're gonna have to turn profitable at some point just like there's a lot of pressure on Tesla to become profitable here soon which it looks like they will um, they're certainly trying to catch up but Tesla still has a firm lead but it's it's good to see it's good or it's good to keep an eye on to see if if anyone is able to compete because so far in the electric vehicle world, no one has really been able to compete at the level of Tesla, not even Ford or GM, even though they have uh, some electric cars. All right, next up, Google's employees are furious about Google's plans to move into China. It's not that they care about moving into China itself. It's the fact that they are Uh, working with the Chinese government to build a censored search engine and censored news site. The employees of Google are not very happy about that, and, you know, I understand why. Apparently 1,400 Google employees have uh, come together and said that they very strongly oppose this move from Google. Um, And it's kind of hypocritical of Google Because they left China in 2010 because the Chinese government told them, hey, you're going to be censored or we're going to ban you. And Google said, okay, well, we're going to leave because we won't have, we won't tolerate being censored. And now it looks like Google is changing their mind and saying, well, you know what, there is a lot of money in China. So let's go after that. And who cares if we have to be censored? So yes, is there an opportunity to make a lot of money? Yes. But is it worth the cost of your principles and your employees best wishes that I don't think so um, listen I, I, I a lot of people say Google makes so much money already why do they care about making more obviously that's kind of stupid I mean that's a whole a company's whole MO is to grow and continually grow as much as they can um, listen I don't think this is worth it and here's why it has ripple effects because if all, you already have 1400 employees who are coming out against you and you do it anyways, you know those employees are not going to be very happy and they might even start looking for new jobs. And then your recruiting efforts, you know, you have to remember Google and all of these tech companies compete very hard for the top tier talent for developers and uh, just regular business people, basically everyone that they hire at the, at the higher level is is very sought after, right? Most of these people have offers from Microsoft and uh, Google and Facebook and Apple and a bunch of other companies. And so for Google to make a move like this, a lot of not just their current employees, but potential future employees might second guess joining Google and opt to join another company that they think has better morals or principles or whatever. And I think it's especially bad that, you know, in 2010, they specifically said we won't be censored. And now they're saying, "Mm, we care about money over principles. You know, that's not a good sign for Google, who always uh, has this image of being this do-gooder company, even their, you know, internal slogan, it's not public, but their internal slogan for a lot of time is, uh, don't be evil, uh, basically saying, don't use technology for bad, only use for technology for good. In this case, uh, well, you're censoring people, so that's kind of bad. Now, the one argument I have heard, and I, I do see this point, is that, well, at least Google might be censored, but they're bringing the best Uh, search engine in the world or bring some of the best products in the world to a market in China that doesn't currently have that. Obviously, there's Baidu in China, but the argument is, well, Google is much better than Baidu. So even if it's censored, at least they're bringing this new technology to China that they don't currently have. I think that's a little BS. I mean, Baidu is already the biggest search engine in China. I don't know how much of a difference it's going to make Google versus Baidu. I just think it's going to be a money grab for Google. So I wouldn't do it if I were them, but we'll see what they do. All right. So next up is Facebook. So I've been saying for a while, if you listen to this podcast, that Facebook should start using its excess cash to buy the rights of a lot more major sporting events, and now it's doing so. So they secured the rights to stream uh, the Champions League in South America through 2021. The Champions League, for those of you who don't know what it is, you Americans, um, it's the biggest tournament in the world for private clubs, right? The uh, the biggest tournament is obviously the World Cup, but after the World Cup, I would say it's the Champions League, where Barcelona, uh, Real Madrid, you know, PSG, Bayern, Munich, Liverpool, Chelsea, all the best teams basically go. It's the best teams from each league. They all meet in this tournament and it's the Champions League. Um so anyways, they bought the rights to that through twenty twenty one for South America. Obviously, South America is a huge soccer fan base, even though it's only European teams that play in the Champions League, I'm sure it will still get a lot of viewership from South America. This is their biggest sports deal to date. I'm sure there will be more to come, but they're very much following the strategy that I uh, advocated, and I very much agree with these moves. They have a lot of excess cash. I think they should use it to continue to grow. All right. Next up, Uber troubles part nine million six hundred and seventy-two. I talk about Uber a lot. I talk about how they kind of went through from being. Uh, the the biggest hero company in the world to being a villain and possibly going out of business at some point soon within the next few years. Maybe not going out of business, but, I mean, at some point they will if they keep losing money like they are, but... Uh, uh yeah, anyways, they went from hero to zero pretty quickly and I've talked a lot about that and how they need to act fast and sporadically if they want to get out of their rut and it doesn't look like they've been able to do that so far. So, the company's growth slowed in Q2. There was a Q2 report for Uber. Their company's growth slowed, which is obviously never a good thing. The only reason you're allowed to get away with losing a lot of money is because it's for the sake of growth, but if you stop growing, well then you're just losing money without growth and uh, you're going to be out of business soon. And they lost almost $900 million in Q2. Now, they do have, a, they have raised enough money to survive for a while, but with their plans to go public next year, uh, I don't think markets are going to react very well to a company who burns cash faster than a California wildfire. I mean, seriously, they are spending so much money. They're going to spend almost a billion dollars this year on their self-driving car project, but it's brought them... Almost nothing as a result. Obviously, there was a PR disaster when they one of their cars hit someone and killed them. But I'm not even talking about that. Just the ad- actual te- technological advancement is way behind Waymo and other, um, which is Google and other um, self-driving car startups and companies. So I don't know. But then obviously, the solution to that you might say is well, spend more money. But then you know they don't have that money to spend. They're just burning cash every day. So it's not looking great for them. Obviously, they did get into the scooter and uh, e-bike area, which hopefully they can see from some growth. But again, that's highly competitive as well. So it's going to be a similar situation to where Uber is now where it, you know they keep compete so hard with Lyft and a couple other uh, ride-sharing services that you have to just keep lowering the price, lowering the price, and pretty much keep losing money. It's going to be tough for them. Um, but yeah, you know what? Good luck. All right, well, this is a pretty slow week, but we have one more story to go. The CEO of the Australian Stock Exchange wants to convert to a blockchain system. So I talked about the Australian Stock Exchange probably a month ago on my podcast um, about how they wanted to essentially build out a security token platform, which is basically like an alternative to ICOs. It's regulated ICOs. because they would be one of the first in the world to do it and they'd be the biggest exchange in the world to do it. And now it looks like they very much are going to try to convert to a blockchain system. Uh, The reason being, he said that they could save as much as $23 billion if they were to replace their current uh, clearinghouse with a blockchain backend. Uh, You know, anytime someone makes a trade on the Australian Stock Exchange, they have to go through a clearinghouse um, which obviously charges fees. With a blockchain, you don't have a clearinghouse you don't have the middleman so you're essentially removing the middleman from the equation and they could save a lot of money by doing so i think this is great i think they're the first of many um uh, exchanges that will continue to look towards blockchain and crypto as the future And it's only good news. Anyways, guys, thank you so much for listening. I just want to say we don't advertise on this podcast. We don't have any ads. So if you could just do me one favor and leave a review on whichever podcast platform you listen on, iTunes, Google Play, whatever, um, I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. It really means a lot to me. And uh, share it with someone if you uh, think they will like it, you know, one person who you think might like the podcast. Anyways, guys, thank you so much for listening. I will see you on Tuesday.